Um, I've asked Jeremy to read this from the New Living Translation, simply because passages that are very familiar, it's sometimes lovely to hear a fresh, a fresh translation, a fresh perspective on it. So Jeremy, if you would read Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, the account of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water, and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, 
rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for for food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. Thank you, Jeremy, for bringing us that reading. Let's just pray together briefly before we dig into this passage of Scripture. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the beauty of your word. Would you guide us now as we think about it together? Would you show us truth, speak to our hearts, and prompt us to respond? Amen. So, um, you might have picked up whenever Jeremy was reading it. Um, that's the, the text is on the screen there. He also made the stars. That's the little bit that we're going to focus on this morning. People sometimes ask, what's your favorite Bible verse? And I have to say, I don't have one. I've got lots of verses that I love. But this is my current favorite. I often have a current favorite. So my current favorite isn't even a whole verse. It's five little words. He also made the stars. Because when you think about that, there's an awful lot in those five little words. And I'll I'll try and show you what I mean. Think about how immense creation is. We heard there about the creation of light and dark, land and sea, sun and moon. And then it says, he also made the stars. Just tagged on there as if it was a wee small extra afterthought, as if it was something not very important. And yet, what a profound understatement. Five short words in the whole of the Bible, and yet they're important. The stars are only one small part of creation, and yet they are important too. Stars. Stars capture our imagination, don't they? Who hasn't sung Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star when you were tiny, or sung it to children or grandchildren? And we think about the stars and how far away they are. We don't measure them in ordinary units of measurement. We measure them in light year. What, what is a light year? Like, how do you measure a light year? It's, it just captures our imagination. We talk about it in our ordinary everyday language. We talk about people being starry-eyed or having stars in their eyes. When somebody does something wonderful, have you ever said or had it said to you, you're a star? Stars have captured our imaginations. And stars are important in the Bible too. We read in Genesis chapter 15, God says to Abraham, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So God is acknowledging that the stars can't be counted by us. Again, later on in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 2, the Magi say, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the stars are important in the Bible. These men were guided by the presence of a star to find Jesus. So stars are important. Stars capture our imagination. And yet it's only five little words in a bit of a verse in the first chapter of the Bible. So what can we learn from this? The Bible tells us that God also made the stars without telling us much of the detail that many of us might want to know. We might want to know what they're made of. The Bible doesn't tell us that. We might want to know how many there are. The Bible doesn't tell us that. It doesn't tell us where exactly they are, what size they are, how they move, because the Bible is not written to satisfy our curiosity or to make us astronomers. 
The Bible is written to lead us to God. And this little snippet of a verse shows us something of God, our creator. There's three things I'm going to bring out here this morning on that. We're going to look at his power, his creativity, and his generosity. So starting off with his power. God created the stars. He made them out of nothing. He didn't have ingredients to start with, like we do whenever we start to make a project in in the garden or um, something in the kitchen. We start with ingredients. God started with nothing. He created. He spoke the word. That resulted in creation. And then God named the things and said they were good. And you see that time and time again throughout that first chapter. For example, he said, let there be light. Then there was light. He called it day. And it was good. And that little pattern, that little rhythm continues throughout the six days. To investigate this part a little bit further, let's take an everyday example. um, Something like a tree. And a tree, yes, God created plants and vegetation, we know that, but the tree has, is made up of different parts. There's the branch, and then there's the leaf. And within the leaf, um, anybody who remembers or is currently doing science at school will remember cutting through leaves or, or things and looking at the little cells under the microscope. Um, and the cell isn't even the smallest bit. It's made up of other smaller bits, which are made up of molecules, which are made up of atoms, which have got electrons around them. And what size is an electron? No idea, looking at some of the teachers here. But anyway, tiny, tiny, too tiny for us to imagine. And then let's come back to that tree and think of how things get bigger. We've got the tree. It's possibly in a forest, which is in a country, which is within a continent, which is within our earth, which is within our solar system. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can't grasp how big it is. We really can't take it in. The power of the creation from that thing that's too big for us to imagine right down to the thing that's too small for us to imagine. And yet God, in his power, created it all. And he also made the stars. We read earlier um, that on the fourth day, God made the sun and the moon and the stars. Why, I wonder, on the fourth day and not earlier, whenever he made the light and the dark? might have seemed logical to make the stars and the sun and the moon whenever he was making the lightness and the darkness. One suggestion and it's just a suggestion, a theory, is that, okay, since God knows everything and exists in eternity before creation, he knew that some people would doubt that he created the world. And they would say that the things produced on earth came from the stars, some stellar explosion or cosmic event, and subsequently plant life grew and changed and grew, and eventually humans appeared. So in order that that truth might be clear, plants and seeds came into existence on day three, before the sun and the moon and the stars on day four, because what came into existence on day four can't cause what came in on day three. Now, I'm not proposing to go into all the hows and whys and exact timescale of how God created it all just now, but it is sufficient to say that God created it. In fact, it's essential to say that God created it. He is powerful. And I think that shows us that we are not the ones with the power. God is. We are not in control. God is. The stars and the moon and the sun give us signs of time. They give us signs of the season. Even the stars can act as a compass, but we can't control them. We can't even control when we see them, when a cloud gets in the way. We don't have the power. God has the power. So what do we do if we believe this? If we believe that God is indeed powerful, we can rest safe in the knowledge that he is powerful, that he is in control. How wonderful is that? 
Romans chapter 8 tells us this in verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We were discussing this verse just um, this past week in Life Group. The promise that that holds for the Christian, that God causes everything to work together for our good if we are called according to his purpose. So don't doubt that he's in control. Know that he can do more than we can even ask or even think. And that should bring us to worship him through his immense power and the beauty of what he has made. We should turn to worship him and rest in his safe care and in his power. So moving on to God's creative side then. The stars are beautiful, aren't they? They're, they're lovely and twinkly and there's so many and different pictures and things of them. They're, they're diverse constellations. They seem to go on and on and on into the distance forever. And I was thinking too about other aspects of creation and God's creativity as he's painted the stars in the sky. Um, think about your eyes for a moment. Think about how he created our eyes because there's, there's wonderful creativity in there too. Our eyes, of course, he's made them that's, that we can see, but what intricate beauty and what creativity lies within them. First of all, we've got two of them so that we can have a better perception of distance, get a clearer picture of what we see. The pupil is made to adjust according to the light level in the room or, or outside. Tiny little muscles make the pupil widen and, and contract so that you can see just clearly. Even the iris, we don't all have the same colour of eyes. God has in his creativity given a whole range of different colours. And it's not even a solid block of colour. If you look in the mirror or look into somebody else's eyes later on, you'll see that there's lots of tiny little flecks, lighter bits and darker bits. How amazing is that? How creative our God is. And when we take it out to the whole of creation, if you imagine, if you imagine like a giant canvas, I, I love the, the, the beauty of this, the, the creativity of this picture. God... Um, in days one, two, and three, he made different spaces. And then days four, five, and six, he filled the spaces. I'll show you what I mean here. Thanks, Lorna. So on day one, he made light and dark. So we've got a little image there just to represent light and dark, day and night. On day two, he created a space to separate the waters on the earth from the waters above the earth. So we have waters and sky. On day three, he created dry, dry ground, which was the land, and the waters, which made the sea, and vegetation and plants, which have seeds. So there's three spaces which God has created. On day four, he fills the spaces which he created on the earlier days. So on day four, we have the sun and moon and the stars to fill the night and day. On day five, we have the fish and the giant sea creatures. I wonder what the giant sea creatures all are. Fish and giant sea creatures and birds of every kind. On day five, filling the waters and the sky, which were made on day two. Do you see the pattern developing there? And then on day six, he made the land animals and the human beings, filling the dry land and the plants, which he created on day three. So the wonderful canvas of creation is, is creative in its very self. So God is creative, and his mind-blowing work of creation captures our imagination, even though we can't come close to understanding it. And the Bible also told us there that we were made in his image. So what? What, what do we do with that knowledge? How can we be creative? I would suggest that there's several different ways that we can respond to his creativity. 
Perhaps it's simply by stopping and appreciating the beauty of creation. Maybe for you it's in worshipping the one who placed this beauty around us. Perhaps we can be creative in how we think about serving others. Maybe it's helping someone, visiting someone, inviting someone into your home, giving somebody your time. How we serve others can be our expression of the love and the creativity of our maker. How about this idea, being creative in how you use your time? The next time you stop for a sit-down and a cup of coffee, I challenge you not to switch on your mobile phone or open a book or a newspaper or flick on the TV, but simply sit and worship God by turning your thoughts to him. Thank him and allow yourself to sit consciously enjoying his presence for a while, enjoying the presence of our creative God. And finally, we move on to our generous God. I think this tiny little snippet of a verse, he also made the stars, also shows us how generous God is. We've had light and dark. We've had sun and moon. I would suggest that the stars are more than enough. And there are so many aspects of God's creation which are more than enough. The stars are more than enough. Yes, they give us some light, but they also give us pure delight. They're beautiful and twinkly. Artists have named them in constellations. And you can be looking at the same stars whether you're here or far away. And there's other aspects of how God created us that are more than enough as well. Let's think of our sense of taste. Our sense of taste is obviously useful to warn us of danger if something might be harmful for us to eat. But our generous creator allows us to find pleasure from it too. Think of the pleasure of eating a, a juicy mango or a nice big steak you know, or a piece of chocolate. Those things didn't have to be nice. I hope you find they're nice too, like I do. But those things didn't have to be nice. But God has given us pleasure in taste as well as warning us of danger. Think about our hearing. Hearing obviously is a useful survival um, sense in terms of communication and, and warning us of danger. But what about listening to the birds sing in the morning? What about the pleasure of listening to music? God didn't have to make that pleasurable, and yet how thankful we are that he did. He gave us more than enough when he created. Think of the sense of smell. Again, smell can warn you of danger, so you could say that it's pretty essential. But what about the anticipation when you walk past a restaurant and you smell lovely food? That didn't have to be nice, but God gave us the pleasure in that. What about how the sense of smell can evoke memories? Um, my granny always used the same kind of perfume, and whenever I was in my late teens, I bought a bottle of the talcum powder just so that I could have that smell. Um, and later, years later, whenever she passed away, I loved just lifting it and smelling it, and it brought back the memories of the comfort of being in her company. God didn't have to give us that aspect of the scent of our sense of smell and creation, but he did because he gave us more than enough, because he is generous. And I could go on, those are just a few examples. But with all of these gifts, God placed us on earth to enjoy his presence in the beautiful, perfect world he created. And yet we know it went wrong. We know that we, mankind, made it go wrong by sinning. And yet, in his abundant generosity, God didn't drop us. He didn't abandon us. He allowed us to continue in his world, although we did have, obviously, the consequences of sin. We had pain, hardship, and sadness, and we still do. His abundant generosity knows no bounds. 
And just as he covered us in good things when he created the earth and keeps it going despite our shortcomings, despite how we abuse this earth, he also gave us something much, much more, another extravagant gift, something to allow us to enjoy his generosity for eternity, to be in his presence in his new creation. Can you imagine what that will be like? So just as he covered us in good things, he now covers us in his grace. He covers us in his righteousness through Jesus if we accept him. And to make this happen, this time he gave us something more than what was created by his hands. This time he gave us his hands nailed to the cross. He gave us his hands. He gave us his life. He gave his love for us. The hands that put the stars in space, that also made the stars, became the hands nailed to the cross to bring us life, to bring us hope, and to bring us the opportunity of a relationship with him. The hands that made the stars, the hands that made you and me, became broken and bruised and bloodied for you and for me. The hands that created beauty in the world, the hands that healed the sick and that raised Lazarus, these hands had the life drained out of them for you and for me. And what does that mean for you and for me? So so what? What do we take away from that? I'm going to suggest that's up to you to decide. Maybe it's consciously making yourself mindful of his presence, of his power, of his creativity and his generosity. And consciously turning your attitude to one of thankfulness and adoration and confession. Maybe it's reminding yourself that he is powerful, that he is in control. And so you give yourself permission to stop worrying about the exams, your education, relationships, job prospects, family, money, health. You stop worrying about these things and you allow him to bring a new perspective on it all. And remember, you're not alone. He has placed you in this community. So ask others to help you. Ask us to pray for you. We're we're family here. That's what we do. And maybe it's turning to him and probably recognizing him for who he is, even for the first time, perhaps this morning. Recognize his power. He created us. Recognize his generosity and simply accept the gift he offers. There is nothing to prevent you coming to him. There is nothing preventing you asking him to forgive you because only he can do that and he wants to. So it's your move now.